Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The NBA and college basketball are back. And with the NFL and college football playoffs right around the corner, there are plenty of bets to lock in. So whether you're thinking how many points Notre Dame's going to lose by to Alabama, or you just want to take the Lakers to repeat their NBA championship, you need to head to betonline.ag. There's tons of college basketball on starting at noon almost every day now. I know last Saturday, me and my cousin threw down a little parlay. We got a Iona over Ryder minus three and a half. We got St. Mary's over Colorado State minus five and a half. And never in doubt, St. Joseph's plus 21 against Villanova lost by 20. Barely covered. We got it. Tons of college basketball to bet on. So from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome to episode 30 of the Spider Scoop podcast. I hope everyone is having a safe and happy holiday on this special Christmas Day episode. Um, please excuse the jackhammers in the background. There's a little construction going on outside my building. But um, we just want to let you guys know that as the, the podcast has taken off a little bit over the last few weeks, um, as the spiders have um, themselves, and that's in large part due to you guys and the support you have been showing us. Um, we really appreciate all the messages of support and just the love you guys have been showing us recently. So we just wanted to send that right back to you all. Um, with that being said, if you do enjoy what you're hearing, please, please, please go give us a review and subscribe on apple podcasts as well as on spotify or anywhere else um those reviews and subscriptions really help boost the show on on the different platforms and and get it seen and exposed to more people um so that being said thank you again for all the support um i hope everyone has a safe uh, happy holidays and enjoy joe lenardi as always i'm your host noah goldberg with espn richmond i'm joined to my left by a struggling Charlotte Hornets fan, more importantly, writes about the Spiders for a 10 talk, and that's Austin Daisy. And rocking the beanie along with me today, we've got the A-10's leader in three-point percentage from a season ago. He scored over a 1,000 points in his career with the University of Richmond, and that is Nick Sherrod. Gentlemen, we have a very special guest on today. He is the premier bracketologist across college basketball with ESPN, and a friend of the A-10, of course, with St. Joseph's University, Joe Lenardi. Joe, how's it going, man? Thanks for coming on. I'm great. I, I, I just think it's important to note that between us, uh, I think Nick and I have about 1,500 points, and he has all of that. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm the one who's honored. Appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. You bet. So, uh, so Joe, just to uh, just to start, you know, I'd love to, you know, of course, the AP rankings are going to come out. We're certainly going to talk some some bracketology with you, but 
I'd, I'd really love to hear, you know, that you really kind of brought bracketology to, you know, mainstream in, in college basketball and in media. And I know everyone knows you for basically the month of February and March. You can't watch ESPN without seeing Joey Brackets. But of course, that didn't start with ESPN. Um, maybe, you know, I know a lot of it came from your work with Blue Ribbon back in the 90s, but would love to just kind of hear from you, you know, what brought you to bracketology? Did you know you wanted to broadcast? Did you start in sports journalism? Kind of, you know, how how you got to where you are now? Well, I really wanted to be the star center on my college team. Uh, but, you know, at 5'5 five, five and unable to go to my left, that was pretty well shot. So, you know, I was just really fortunate, guys, to grow up at a time and a place where college basketball was a really big deal. And that is uh, the Philadelphia Big Five. And anybody from a generation ago uh, who, who, who was in or around Philly, you know, whether it's Villanova, St. Joe's, Temple, Penn, LaSalle, and also Drexel, uh, forming what's now called the City Six, uh, you know, these were high-level programs, almost all of which, until the mid-'80s, were playing all their home games in one place at the University of Pennsylvania's Palestra, which is, you know, one of the great historic gyms in the sport. So even though I was a student and an aspiring, you know, sports writer at St. Joe's, uh, generally speaking, when you went to a game, you went to two games because uh, there were double headers at the Palestra multiple times a week, generally speaking. So, you know, you could get a Big East game with Villanova. You could get, uh, uh, you know, Penn Princeton at the height of its rivalry. Uh, teams that came in to play a Philly school. I've covered Carolina. I've covered Michigan State. I've covered Arkansas you know, Loyola Marymount with uh, Hank Gathers and Bo Kimball. I mean, you name it. And it was almost like I got to major in college basketball. And, and that was just an incredible blessing. Uh, and in, in most years, uh, one or more, generally more of the Philly Big Five was in a ranked team or at least, you know, in position for the NCAA tournament and usually more than one, and usually, you know, advancing. You know, Temple was number one in 1988. Uh, LaSalle was 30 and two in 1990 with Lionel Simmons. Of course, St. Joe's with uh, Jameer and Delante back in 2004, number one in the country. And teams coming in like UMass with Marcus Camby, number one in the country. So there, there, there was just an opportunity to, to be part of high level college basketball and and I always loved the tournament and I was fascinated by how it was put together and that's really where bracketology came from there was no plan uh, I certainly didn't plan to broadcast I mean you guys share the same face for radio that I have uh, especially you know Austin and I think uh, <laughs> you know I think I, I, I just think if you get you know what's the saying if you do what you love, you never have to go to work in your life. Yeah, not a bad model to live by. I mean, Nick, Nick, Nick's doing that to a T. <laughs> He's doing that better than any of us did. 
<clears throat> so so like you said you know I, I you know i know it wasn't where you expected to be but of course with blue ribbon you did the the sports uh ncaa tournament guide or, or added that in the 95 season which really kind of led to the bracketology and and now you do a show on on espn plus i think you're continuing it this year right the bracketology show they haven't told me one way not, or okay. the other because so, it's not clear whether uh they, you know, bracketology might be Wayne's world this year. I might be living in my basement until the beginning of April. So real bracket. Uh, yes, exactly. Uh, and, and y- you know, it's just not clear what the ESPN plus production capabilities will be remotely. Certainly all that content lives on ESPN.com. And uh, I-, I love going to Bristol, of course, but if, if, you know, the price we have to pay for having a season is uh, to do most things remotely. Uh, well, it's better than not having a season. So what are, what are some of the things you've learned, Justin, you know, for so many years being so writing dominant and doing all those things to moving to starting to do broadcasting? Of course you do color commentary for St. Joe's has, you know, expanding your approach and not just writing and not just analyzing, doing bracketology, but adding that, you know, the way you have to convey it, even if you're explaining the same picks and the same brackets, you've got to convey that differently when you're on camera than you do when you're writing it. What have just been some of the things you've learned from from stepping into that role? Well, I a couple things come come to mind, Noah. The, the, the first is you can take your work seriously without taking yourself seriously. Like, I really care about doing this and doing it well and doing it as accurately and as fairly as possible in as unbiased a manner as possible. Uh, But I also realize that we're fortunate enough to work kind of in the toy department of life. Uh, I don't see any bracketologists lining up you know, to get the first doses of the vaccine, for instance, uh, you, you know, uh, it, if if they wanted to make a definition of non-essential personnel, uh, people in sports media would would probably be pretty high on the list. Uh, so, so I have no illusions that uh, in the grand scheme of of humanity that this is really all that important. Having said that, I know that a lot of people really care about it. Uh, And it's okay to have things that are entertaining, right? The E in ESPN stands for entertainment. Uh, And I I think if, if, if there's something that we brought to the table through bracketology, that maybe doesn't always exist in a lot of sports media, it is an, an, an ability to convey something that's analytics-based in kind of a lay person's uh, and, and even lighthearted manner, right? Like I know the difference between team number 68 and team number 69, right? It could be someone's livelihood, right? But again, in the grand scheme of things, uh, given everything going on in the world, you know, nobody in a third world country really cares if Richmond was last four in or first four out, 
so, so you try and have some balance in what you're doing. And, and I think that comes back to kind of taking the work parts seriously, but y- y- you know, I- I'm not standing at, at the podium of, of the White House or the CDC, you know, giving pandemic advice here. I'm talking about basketball teams. And uh, I, I'm just thankful that I'm, I'm able to do that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and it's 2020. So it's even more important, I think, than ever for us to realize that and be able to step back. And it makes you appreciate it a little bit more how great it is that, like you said, we get to work in, in an industry like this. Um, so getting a little bit more into basketball here, like I mentioned, St. Oh, Joseph's, please. you do the color commentary there. Of course, I know you work in the uh, marketing communications department. Um, and so I actually just want to start off a little bit. I don't know what you do with gambling and all that, but I did throw a little money on St. Joseph's plus 21 against Villanova the other day, lost by 20. So I don't know if you see Ryan Daly or any of those guys, but definitely tell him I said, thank you for that one. One point saved my parlay. That was excellent. Um, but so, so how do you, how do you feel about the Hawks this year? seems like they could, uh, maybe be on the up a little bit, moving in the right direction. Got some guys there, YMCA star and Ryan Daly. How are you feeling about them this year? Well, a lot a lot in that comment there, Noah. Uh, let me try and break it out a little bit. First of all, uh, I'm now in my second year of not working at the university. Uh, I, 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 I hit my 30-year mark a couple of years ago and was able – to uh, uh, kind of devote myself to basketball on a more permanent basis. I'm, I'm a lot older than I look, a lot older than I look. And uh, it, it, it was time to scale back a bit. Uh, my wife and I are empty nesters now. So the need to uh, be paying college tuitions has passed. Uh, so I was able to kind of cut a pretty big job out of the picture. I uh, didn't know there was going to be a pandemic. Uh, I may be good at forecasting, but not that good. Uh, and and it, 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 it's a situation where uh, uh, I'm just able to do this at noon on a Monday instead of going to a meeting or managing a staff. Uh, but yes, I am still calling at, at least the St. Joe's home games this year for, for the university and for ESPN plus actually uh, I'm, I'm calling my first game tonight this season from a monitor. The Hawks are at Tennessee. Uh, that's not going to go well. Uh, I, I just, I mean, I would love an upset. Of course, I, I don't see it. And, and of course, uh, like Bushwood Country Club in the famous movie Caddyshack, uh, there is no gambling in college basketball. I am uh, I am a, uh, a a person of interest uh, or a member of the athletic interest of a Division One member institution and an employee at a network that covers the sport. Ergo, I have no interest, passion, involvement, or knowledge of any such things related uh, to wagering. I, I I heard a rumor that it was the largest uh, spread in the history of the St. Joe Villanova rivalry. It was hypothetically as high as 22 and a half at one point. And I never thought for a minute uh, that, that my Hawks wouldn't cover. Uh, and I have no idea what the line tonight is at Tennessee. Uh, 
But if I wasn't a member of all of those groups that can't have an opinion, I would say whatever the line is, is not enough. <laughs> well, I love that. Um, Nick, Nick, you want to go ahead? Nick's actually so has a uh, has a funny story about uh, your guy, Ryan Daly. We actually had Jeff Goodman on here a couple episodes ago. I don't know, Nick, maybe you want to share tell that. Me. I'm doubting it involved a pass. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually going to ask you about um, about how uh, St. Joe's won, how aggressive they've been scheduling. And they, uh, I guess with the City Six and all that stuff, they have a schedule pretty aggressively. And then the style of play that they played the past couple of years shooting threes. But the daily story is, so we played when he was at Delaware. My right. Show, we played them um, at the Robin Center. And so I know Ryan from like a while back. Like we, had, we were at a Holy Cross elite camp together. So I've, I've known him, kept in touch. We like played together and all that stuff. So. We have a pretty cool relationship and all that. So before the game, like three days before, he, he DMs me. Uh, he goes, tell one of your players. Uh, he was the guy who was going to guard, who he's matched up with. He said, tell one of your players I'm going to give him buckets tonight. So <laughs> I, I take that back to the guy that he directed it to. I was like, yo, Ryan Daly, like he said this, like he's coming in here in a couple of days. Like, like he threw the gauntlet down, like you have to be ready for this. Um, and the guy's like, whatever, brush it off. They beat us by like 15. Daly had like 23. It was a disaster. So, <laughs> and Delaware won, right? They won. Yeah. Yeah. That was that year where there was a little bit of a rough start there in uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. home games and lo- losing to teams from the state of Delaware. Yes. Yep. Yeah. We'll just leave it at that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Ryan can really play and he doesn't look like he can really play. Uh, <laughs> And, and, and I made a joke. Actually, he's a terrific passer uh, because his basketball IQ is just off the charts. Uh, and, and, you know, of course, last year, his first after transferring, he was not surrounded by an abundance of high-level Atlantic 10 talent. Yeah, that team, uh, that team got gutted a little bit. They were, they were supposed to be really good. And then they correct. Correct. And, and this year, you know, there are some players, they're young, uh, and, and they're trying to figure it out and what, you know, this will be three of the first five games have been Kansas, Villanova, and now Tennessee. I think the first game after Christmas, we're playing the Lakers. So like, this is just nuts and it wasn't supposed to be this way. Trust me when I tell you, there were a few Maines and Mount St. Mary's and Maryland Eastern Shores uh, on the schedule before, you know, the college basketball gods intervened. And then you just try to have games. And and uh, this, this three-game and five-day stretch that they're on now uh, is in part to make up for a two-week shutdown. Um, you know, so, so at the beginning, you know, they, they'd only played two games. And, you know, what is what is U of R played now, seven or eight? And, uh, you know, the first game back, it showed like it just it, how could it not? You know, it's almost like you're starting camp again. Uh, and and one not only you're not playing, you're not practicing, you're not even together. Maybe you can do some individual stuff in the gym, but like that's no different than what you would do in July. Right. So, yeah, I. I they're absolutely better in part because the, the retooling of the roster has begun. Uh, 
And in part because there was only one way to go. Uh, you know, like, let call it like it is. They, they were six and 26. So, like, you have to hope that that's the floor. Unless you're Fordham, there's always a lower floor. Well, I do remember. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get kicked out of something for this. If it wasn't the other comments about the subject, I'm not allowed to talk about. It. Uh, I, I remember a, a, a high-ranking St. Joseph's person a year ago when the season started. You know, said, "Are are we going to get picked last?" And I said, "What did you kick Fordham out when I wasn't looking?" <laughs> so, <laughs> You know, we, we squeaked by him at home last year, so maybe it was the wrong thing to say. But, yeah, yeah I feel fairly confident that St. Joe's will not finish last. Yeah. Uh, what what, what a, a reasonable goal this year would be to not play on Wednesday in Brooklyn. Mm. We, baby steps here, man. Baby steps. <laughs> so so in there, you, like, you know, you obviously just talked about uh, the how just – odd it is right like how many games they've only played a few games richmond's had seven or eight and the covid pauses like nick we've talked about on here richmond came off their covid pause and clearly had issues at against wofford um but but like what you said with you know there are going to be teams that are going to go into march with five six less or more games than other teams how do you as a bracketologist and also then thinking about the selection committee if you've got a team that's played five less games you know how how is this process going to work? Are the net rankings going to be a factor this year? Is it going to be really eyeball dependent? How do you see this all changing, or is it really just possible to know? I don't think it is possible to know. I, I mean, I have some working theories uh, because you know, I, this is what I think about in my spare time. Uh, <laughs> I realize that's not necessarily a healthy way to go through life, but it's it's you know it's what we do. It's what we do. I watch. I do things like watch Richmond Wofford on ESPN plus on a weekday afternoon, you know, from my couch because, you know, I can, and I don't have a day job anymore. Uh, thank God. And uh, cause I'd have to go to it. Uh, but I'm, 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 I keep flashing back to something my dad always used to say, which is, you know, common sense goes a long way most of the time. And, and I really think that this year more than any other, like sometimes the most obvious answer is the correct one. Like example, uh, I'm going to throw it just a wild name. Out. I'm going to say uh, uh, Georgia tech. Okay. Like, let's say Georgia Tech goes 7-13 and 13 in the ACC, okay? And they have three or four high-level wins in there because most league wins are high-level because they get to play half their games at home. And home, team, home teams win, at least in non-pandemic years, about 70% of the time. This year it looks like it's going to be more like 60, but that's still a pretty good number, okay? And let's say we've got... Furman, all right, and I, again, I'm taking a name out of the air, and they're 21 and four, right? And and two or three of their losses are to power schools on the road. Like the metrics might still say that Georgia Tech is higher ranked 
than Furman because their starting point, their baseline wasn't necessarily the same. It's like a staggered start and track, right? Like not everybody's at the same spot. Well, maybe, maybe common sense says we don't take the team that's six games under 500, no matter what the numbers say. Right. And, 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 and I, I don't know if that's an eyeball thing as much as it is a logic thing. Like the goal of the enterprise is still to score more points than your opponent. Right. And if, if, if you do that 21 times out of 25, right. Unless all of your games are, you know, against the bottom 50 in the country. And that's not the case with Furman. Okay. Like they're still playing half their games on the road in a decent league, a league that was a multi-bid league the last time there was a tournament. Okay. Then they should go ahead of the middling major. And I have no idea if the numbers or the metrics are going to reflect that. We get our first net rankings on January 4th. On January 4th, there's going to be some teams that have played one game. <laughs> so if you want to know, what are you going to be first in the net? Like, like we have to be able to spot the outliers and make sensible decisions about it. And I would say a really good start to that, I would say two things. One, common sense. And two, don't let any of the college football people in the room. <laughs> So that was be my next point. I was actually about to say, you know, worst case scenario, it's not going to be anywhere near the college football committee. Yeah. And I, I actually have a column coming out tomorrow. I've resurrected from about 20 years ago where, where I, 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 I do one of those Letterman top 10 lists of the top 10 reasons why racketology is, is, is better than the, well, it used to be BCS now CFP yeah. uh, man. Oh man. Can they just not get out of their own way? <laughs> No one, no one's been ringing your phone about uh, maybe making you a two sport, two sport personality, adding you to the committee. I don't know enough about football. Uh, I, I, I just know that winning something should matter, mm. and and to call something a national championship, which doesn't include the champions of all the leagues, is silly. Like, you call it something important if you want, but don't call it a national championship. Like it would be like if the five of us got in the driveway and played knockout and, and, and I won a, that would not happen. And B uh, that doesn't make me the national knockout champion. It just makes me the one time winner against you guys. And, you know, I don't think you get a trophy for that. Yeah, definitely. I, I think they weren't, they had the right idea moving from the BCS to the bracket, but, I, but I think you got to expand it beyond four teams before you, before yeah, you the F- FCS has a down pat. Like, <laughs> here you go. If, if, if in what, what, what did I read that, that 11 teams have made the playoff in however many years there's been a playoff. Like suppose the same 11 teams were going to the final four all the time. Like we would hate it. Yeah. Unless we were at, you know, Duke or Kentucky. And Definitely. and or, or in this case, Clemson and Alabama. Hell, I'd almost rather see Clemson and Alabama play like a best of seven. 
legitimately. Right? I mean, I mean, it makes it makes clearly no sense. the two best teams, right? Like, how does Notre Dame get in if if the point is all four teams should be able to possibly win it all, and you just watch one team get destroyed by another? So, like, well, it, it makes it, no it, sense. You know, it may be that uh, th- th- there aren't four teams that can win it all, right? But two. but but I I guess my point always is, whatever the format is in whatever the competition to determine a true champion, everyone who, who has a chance to advance has to be included where you just don't know, right? Like chances are Coastal Carolina could, could, couldn't beat the, 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 the middle team in the SEC. But, but they probably would one time out of four or five Right. I mean, Louisiana won at Iowa State. Iowa State played in the Big 12 championship game. Uh, last I looked a couple weeks ago, Richmond whacked Kentucky in basketball. Now, you know, Kentucky's one and five, but they weren't at the time. And they're not going to be a month from now, I don't think. So, you know, look, look, just tell it what it is. It's a money grab for the big boys. Okay, fine. Just don't tell me it's a national championship. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, th- I think we're all on the same page there. Um, yeah. to, but, but to your point, I want to, I want to write off that a little bit. Cause I really want to ask you about that Kentucky. Cause that's obviously maybe one of the most polarizing uh, kind of elements to Richmond's Richmond's resume. I don't think much needs to be said on saw Fletcher actually today was just, I thought he was stepping down. It seems like Cal basically pushed him out and go home and take a time. Um, so that is just an absolute mess over there. Um, you know, the big in Kentucky at, at this point, if you're Richmond is loyal, I'll go your resident over that. Well, okay. Let, let's, let's look at this in terms of like probability, right? Selection Sunday is 85 days away. I happen to know these things. <laughs> the, what are the odds 85 days from now that, like, would you bet on Kentucky being 5 and 20 or 18 and 7? If, 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 if you had a bet and we but were allowed to go bet. one of the two, you probably go, you probably don't go with five wins. Of course not. I, I, I would bet a mortgage payment that, number one, that'll be a quad one win for Richmond when it matters. And number two, that it'll be Richmond's best win outside the Atlantic 10. Now, it's possible that a win at St. Louis, let's say, could be a higher ranked win at this point than uh, a win at Kentucky. But, I mean, eventually, like, all of these SEC opponents that Kentucky plays are going to get folded into their metrics. Not to mention, you know, their next game, I think, is at Louisville, which might be an even bigger mess. Um, for for, for non-person, you know, they've had injuries and they've had COVID and, 
you know, like I, I think Wisconsin's better than Louisville. I don't think they're like 48 to one better than Louisville or whatever the score was in the first half of that game. Uh, Louisville hadn't played for a while and, you know, Wisconsin, an older team and so be it. It was men against boys. And, and, and it a little bit is for Kentucky right now. Uh, to, to me, the upset isn't so much that they're one in five with a, a group of players who'd never played there before uh, as much as that it has never happened to them before turning their roster over every single year. Uh, it, 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 it has to take some time to become a team. It, it has to. Uh, I mean, heck, may, may, maybe it was foreshadowed last year when they lost to Evansville. Not, not that they were going to be bad this year, but that the idea of ripping it up and starting a new team with a new roster every year isn't always going to go smoothly. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's fair, right? Like since, you know, 2015, most of the national championships have been the, the older experienced teams and they have been these, these one and done teams, you know, and I, look, I, if you're one and done is Anthony Davis or Carl Anthony Towns yeah. or Zion Williamson you're probably going to be able to get by. Uh, but but most one and dones are not that. Like, they're potential guys. Like, when was the last time anybody called the name, um, names Cam Reddish or R.J. Barrett? They were the other one and dones with Zion. Well, Zion's here, and those guys are trying to get in the game at the next level. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, like Nick, if you were a GM, like the one guy can step right in and play. Right. Cause he's physically different than the other people, right? Like LeBron's body was different than any other 18 year old on planet earth. And, and, and you know, <laughs> most guys aren't like that. Mm-hmm. I think that a lot of times, I was going to ask you this, like when you're when you're making selections or the committee's making selections, how much do they consider that teams are going to get better or that teams are going to improve? And like how much do the last couple games of a season matter? Because like we said, like sometimes all freshmen are built equal. And I thought this for a long time, but just because a guy's rated number two in the country doesn't mean he's ready to come in and be the second best player in college basketball right away. And Kentucky, they usually it takes them some time mm-hmm. to figure it out. So if they're on like a if they come start SEC play even two and two, but then finish fourth in the conference on like a eight, six game winning streak or something like that. Like how right. do they, how do you guys deal with that that type of stuff? Well, I mean, they've actually and officially changed the rules, if you will, so that on the team sheets, which is basically everybody's records for the season there's no longer a category of how you did in your last 10 or last 12 games, whatever that column used to be. Uh, and, and the mantra is, you know, a game in November matters, matters as much as a game in your conference tournament. Uh, my response to that is uh, that is absolutely nuts because what is the point of coaching player development and improvement if the goal isn't to try to get better as the year goes along, right? Like, 
Like I'm sure in the NFL right now, there are teams that are hot that weren't playing well in September. Okay. Well in the playoffs, do you want to play the team that was good, bad in September or the team that's limping down the stretch? Of course you want to play the limping team. Uh, so, so I, again, common sense. I, I think that at least informally it should matter. And I think in the minds of certain committee members, particularly those who were former coaches whose mantra always was, we will get better today than we were yesterday, right? I, I think it still does come into play, even though it's not a formal, you know, data point in, in the process. Like, it just makes me nuts when they take a team, like, again, and I have nothing against Oklahoma. They just happen to be the example. But in the last two tournaments, Oklahoma was 8-10 and 10 in the Big 12 and 7-11, and 11, okay? Six games under 500, and they got two at-large bids. One year, for the two-month period leading up to Selection Sunday, they were 2-9 and nine against other teams in the field. 2-9. and nine. Now, if, if someone dropped in from another planet and you asked them to try and analyze that data point, they might say something like, wow, they've not won many games against the kind of teams that they're going to face in the tournament, right? Certainly not lately, but they got in. In fact, they got in with room to spare because of what they had done in, in November or December, or maybe because they had Trey Young, or you know, may, maybe because, I don't know, committee member locked their keys in the car and missed a vote. Like I have no idea. Uh, but, but again, every time we stray away from common sense, I think we're, we're, we're prone to making mistakes. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. And I also have like a, a follow-up question. So I'll tell you guys a story and this is part of the question about like conference play and how much that matters because so last year, I don't think this year's Richmond team is feeling the pressure of the brackets as much as last year's team. But when, mm -hmm stuff say that that stuff doesn't matter like it does like we know what's going on we know where people have a of seat course you do so we had to win a we felt like we had to win a bunch of games uh down the stretch and we had a game at St. Bonaventure's and like you know that St. Bonaventure's is a hard place to play at like we know that it yep. is but like the committee might not see that as like a a good loss or something like that so I remember after that game we lost and like we thought our season was done like we thought we had to like win the tournament like we had to win the rest of our games and win out and that probably wasn't the case but it felt like that. Um, you felt like it. Yeah, I, even Coach Winnie after the game, he's like, the season's not over. We still have everything in control and stuff. But as players, we thought, like, we had lost mm -hmm. the bid there. Even though and that's it did get pretty hot after that, that, too. Yeah, and we knew that, like, obviously we knew that's a hard place to play. Everybody in the A-10 knows that that might be the toughest place to play in the A-10. And you, as a guy who follows A-10 basketball, knows that. But the committee might not respect that loss as much. So, like, again, we talk about common sense and conference play. Do committee members think about that? Like, how, what is the process, especially at the mid-major level, is kind of difficult. But, like, for Furman, when they go on the road to UNC Greensboro, like, that's a tough game for them. And mm -hmm. like, maybe, like, Louisville, they don't consider that. Like, a, like when they're arguing for their case to get in, they're like, well, they lost at UNCG. But Furman is like, that's the, right. one of the hardest road trips in our league. Uh, Nick, I wish you were on the committee <laughs> because you get it. And uh, 
I, I just have so many reactions to that and, and I'll try and boil it down to, to the clearest ones. They have, the committee has attempted to give more weight to games like that. Richmond at a St. Bonaventure, Furman at a UNCG by changing the way the categories of wins and losses are, are determined. Like, like, if St. Bonaventure is 70th in the net, okay, and you play them at St. Bonaventure, that's now quad one game. Because quad one is one to 75 if you play a team away, but only one to 30 if you play them at home. They're basically saying it's, it's a little more than twice as hard to win on the road, which in fact is supported by generations of data. So, so there is that element of fairness now built into the process. That's quantitative. Qualitatively, qualitatively, we know darn well that there's somebody in the room going, ah, but they lost the same Bonaventure, right? Now, as someone who personally, I believe I hold the Atlantic 10 career record for uh, trips to the Riley Center by visiting media. I, I've been there 22 times. Uh, and I have uh, seen grass twice. Uh, the other, you know, the, all the other times was covered by snow and ice and misery. Uh, they're great people who live in a miserable place. Period. End of sentence. There's no other way to describe it. Uh, other than, you know, what's the old saying? It's not the end of the earth, but you can see it from there. And <laughs> man, is it a miserable place. And, and wow. Uh, UMass Twitter yeah, is going to love this so much. Who is? UMass Twitter. There's a, there, in, in the A10 Twitter, there's a lot of beef between UMass fans and the, and the guys over at Olean. What, over which is worse? Yeah, I mean Amherst. I don't know if you. I'm sure you've been to Amherst, Massachusetts. I've it's not Amherst exactly a sun, sunshine, and, and roses either. But no, it's not. Uh, but but it, but at least for a while, like like UMass won five straight Atlantic Ten championships. Yeah. So you know that that has a way of melting the snow a bit when you're when you're doing well. Uh, yeah, uh, th that's an unbelievably hard place to play. Uh, I, I, I would I would say uh, that the, the committee has gotten better, a little bit better at recognizing that. But the deck is still obviously stacked for, you know, for the power leagues. And, and, and I've always argued that when, when you compare the very good teams in the next level league, I'm not even going to use the term mid-major because I don't know what that means anymore. Uh, like, like if, if Richmond played Georgia Tech best of seven on a neutral court, there's absolutely no doubt in my mind who would win. No doubt in my mind. Yet, if, if it's Richmond and Georgia Tech for the last spot, it's a coin flip at best for the Spiders, at best. And I think that's wrong. And I'm I'm willing to die on that hill, and I suspect that I will actually. Yeah. 
Um, so I just I, hope I really... I'm dying St. Joe's and not Richmond. No offense. <laughs> <Soon>. <laughs> no, but I've I've worked with I've worked with the the Richmond staff for the last couple of years. Yeah. Uh, on on scheduling and other things, and uh, I I I get it. You know, I've been down there in the off season uh, to to talk to the folks and and the coaching staff and the administration and and and, and we've talked about all of this ad nauseum and 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 that's why the, the schedule is is now what it is and it's to try to tilt the deck back a little bit in 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 favor of uh you know the non-power school so in in your latest bracketology uh right now you've got so you've got the a10 as a two-bid league at the moment as we all as we know you know bid thieves can change things but in terms of at large the best teams st louis and richmond You've got Richmond at a nine seed, I believe, and St. Louis at an eight seed. Um, obviously, St. Louis last night, tough loss against Minnesota. That was a team you had in your first four out, also along with Kentucky. Um, is that a game that you see changing that seeding? Do you still have St. Louis as the top team in the A-10? You know, how have, after this weekend and in this past week, do you see that changing for the A-10? Uh, well, new brackets come out on Tuesday. Uh, so we'll be working on that this afternoon. But I think it's it, – here's what I would say. I, I don't expect St. Louis to drop. And if they did, it would be no more than one line. And it would be because they went from, you know, 28 on the board to 29, the difference between a 7 and an 8, but it's really only one slot. Uh, you know, Luke – Losing at Minnesota shouldn't hurt them, you know, really any differently than like an LSU losing at St. Louis, right? It's, it's a road game against another good team. Uh, and and actually, by, by the quirk of scheduling, the, the Atlantic 10 will have three teams in the next bracket because at this moment, there is a league leader. Uh, Davidson is 1-0. So by, you know, my applying of the AQ rules, they, they're in also. And people say, well, that's dumb. Why would you do that? Well, it's to replicate what happens during championship week, right? Because the, the favorites don't all win. So if you don't do that kind of thing during the year, you're getting an artificial sense by two or three spots of where the cut line is. So, you know, Davidson's going to get in the winner of tonight's game between Utah state and Boise in the mountain West is going to get in, in tomorrow. So, so it'll be San Diego state plus it'll be slew and Richmond plus, and, and, you know, maybe there's another example or, or two. I'm, I'm also looking at the, the poll is out. Uh, Richmond drops from 26 to 27, which is probably more a case of teams around them and what they did. And St. Louis is right behind them. Uh, I suspect in tomorrow's bracket, they'll both be on the same seed line. Mm. Kind of speaking of seeds, Joe, where, you know, obviously a weird season with, you know, trying to forecast all this, but where could you possibly see Richmond's ceiling being come tournament time? Uh, well, I want to back up and say to Nick, I was – really pretty convinced that you guys were going to get in last year as long as you won one game in Brooklyn. Right. And, and that was probably going to happen. 
and you're probably going to win more than one. Like a lot of things would have had to go wrong. You might have you might have been in the first four in Dayton, but but you you had done enough and you were good enough uh, to to have made it. Uh, this year, ceiling wise, I mean, I would say probably like if everything went right, like going you know like sixteen and two in the league, right, and and not losing any more non-league games. You know, you, you you could conceivably be in the four or five range. Uh, I think six, seven is more likely with with a regular season finish in the league. And, and I, you know, to me, that's a really good spot to be. Uh, I mean, let's be honest. Very rarely are the Richmonds of the world like a three. OK, like that. Like there's a reason why you know, it was so extraordinary what Dayton did last year, right? Or, or what St. Joe's did, uh, uh, you, you know, in 04 to, to be in that consideration to be a one seed. Like, like, it's just hard to pile up the number of quality wins to get there. Uh, but, but a six, as long as you kind of avoid eight, nine, right? You know, what, what you want is, you, you, you look almost every game in the tournament could go either way. Right. But, but if you're six or seven, you know, we, we're, we're, we're going to be a little bit of a favorite in the first game a little bit. And if we play like we're supposed to, we're going to win. Right. And then you're playing like a, a three uh, or, or, or even a two, and you're going to be an underdog, but you, you know, you, you're not playing the 800 pound gorilla. So if you play your best game and you throw the other guys off, like sixes beat threes all the time. Uh, like, hey, if if I were Chris Mooney and and I got a little thing in my stocking that said on March 14th you'll be a six, I would uh, leave cookies for Santa and say thank you, sir. May I have another? Yeah, I think. Well, you know, with with the drought Richmond's been on, I think. You know, it, it wouldn't take a lot to be leaving cookies. I think they'll be pretty happy with a with a with a bid, regardless. Um, Correct. Yeah. So I think that's pretty much it from us, Joe. I know you do have a book coming out in 2021 on the bubble. If maybe you want to tell us and our listeners a little bit about that. Yeah, the book's actually just going to be called Bracketology now, uh, but it is with the publisher. Uh, it, it'll ship March second, I'm told. Uh, but it's done now, and and we're working on the marketing of it. Uh, yes, I, I'm I'm living proof that it's possible to write a book uh, without actually ever, you know, being able to read one. Uh, and and and, you know, I don't think I'm the first person in sports to ever have that <clears throat> distinction. Uh, but it, it's been a ton of fun. And 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 again, I I've tried to take the topic seriously without myself being taken too seriously it, it it's it's pretty lighthearted. it's it's pretty colloquial it tells a lot of stories it it it, it, it takes a few shots along the way at including at some of the same topics that have come up today uh and and uh, uh I, I hope people like it definitely well we'll all be uh adding that to our i guess it can't be a christmas list but uh we'll all well, i guess you could get it pre-ordered you know if you're going out you know if you want to, if you want to tell mom a last minute gift idea, so so any anyone who's worried because their gifts won't come in the mail before Christmas, 
You don't need it to come in the mail. It's a pre-order. Well, so it's they're, the perfect they're gift. Come on section anyway. Exactly. So all you need oh, is like, the- difference to make. Exactly. Right. Joe, thank you so much for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. This was awesome. Um, I'm I'm happy that it is a you're able to do this now on a Monday afternoon. You finally have a little bit of can live a little bit more. So hopefully there's some yes, more indeed. Richmond Wofford games for you to watch on your Monday afternoons. We'll be tuned in. I know you'll be tuned in. Well, so tomorrow we'll go Richmond Hofstra, right? Is that what it is? Yes. Two o'clock, Richmond yeah. Hofstra. A buddy of mine is uh is coaching Hofstra right now, the interim. Oh, um, uh, okay. No way, yeah. Yeah. yeah, good another, deal. Another, another another good uh, A10 A10 loss too. St. Bonaventure this weekend for them, and that was a real game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Hofstra, I mean Hofstra, one of those teams. Ball. They won their league last year, and they, mm-hmm. they their conference tournament was over. They were in the field, mm-hmm. and you know, look, it's bad for everyone. But like Duke goes every year, Hofstra doesn't. Yep. Hey, maybe this year we'll have a tournament with Hofstra and no Kentucky man. Who knows? It's possible. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe Scarlett Johansson will return my call. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Joe, thank you so much, man. All right. Have see you guys. Yeah. Have, a, have a good one, man. Be, be good. Bye. Big ups to our guy, Joe Lenardi, for hopping on the show today. Um, really special thank you to him. And, and make sure you, you know, if you're looking for a Christmas gift still, I know it may be a little late, but make sure you order, pre-order his new book, Bracketology. Um, shipping on March 2nd, but you can pre-order it now, so go check that out. As always, make sure to give me and Austin a follow on Instagram and Twitter at NoahGoldberg10 and at AustinDaisy11. Um, if you like what you're hearing, please, please, please give us a five-star review and a subscribe on Apple Podcasts, as well as subscribing on any other platform that you're listening to. Um, we would really appreciate that. Hope everyone had a safe and happy Christmas, holiday, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, whatever it is you're celebrating. Um, and with that being said, we will see you guys uh, after the break. Rocking around the Christmas tree at the Christmas party hop. Mistletoe hung where you can see every couple tries to stop. Rocking around the Christmas tree, let the Christmas spirit ring.
Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.